and I are going to tag team a little preaching here today. I want to talk about our, our journey in transition. You're going to be covering me with the keynote over there. Jerry, thank you. It was, uh, <clears throat> we have a, a four-year transition plan, as, as you would, uh, as you already know, of passing the lead, pastor leadership of City Harvest Church from from myself to, to Pastor Pete, or Pastor Peter, he's been going more by Peter these days in the signing, I threw up as a subtle suggestion that we change from calling him Pete to Peter. I, I don't like Robert, that's my official name. Uh, I have to do sign all my documents, I'd rather go by Bob. Robert was always so much more formal for me growing up, I never liked the name, so I always went by Bob or Bobby. But um, Pete is trying to go from Pete to Peter, but so Pastor Peter is uh, uh, gonna be be taking the uh, he's going to be taking the helm of this church and uh, uh, and we like to together we like to talk in the next year or two we want to talk a little bit about the transition just to keep alive what's taking place in the church and hopefully answer questions and bring insight uh, in in your own mind and thinking of what's taking place in this transition it started in September of 2018 is when we announced this to the church, and it's going to be completed on the, on the first Sunday in September 2022. It's a four-year plan, close to. But I uh, just want to do three things. I want to talk about why the transition at this time, just to rehearse it in your minds, because it seems like when I'm in conversations with people, it's like we didn't have this conversation sometimes. So I want to I continue to have this conversation to keep everybody adrift why we're doing this. I want to talk about why Pastor Pete or Pastor Peter and also the plan. And then I just want to give you three thoughts on transition. So let's just, let's just talk here for a second. Why the transition at this particular time? Why, why did we do this in the, in the first place? I just turned 66, kind of, you know, you got those six, six, five, five, four, fours, you know, pretty, my next one's seven, seven, then eight, eight, and then nine, nine, well, it's probably more like eternity, I'll probably be in heaven, but, uh, you know, why the transition at, at this particular time? Well, first, I'm, I'm aging, and I know that sounds like, well, that, that's not that big of a, an issue, but I find that, that growing older, it's subtle, and all those who are growing older can say amen, you just start noticing certain things. It's not like you just wake up with an epiphany, you just start noticing certain things about yourself when you age. And one of the things that I've discovered about myself is I really do enjoy boring evenings at home. And uh, I look forward to no company, no texts, uh, and Sue not giving me any task lists. And I'm, I actually, I, I've, I've embraced the celebration of boredom and, uh, and really kind of enjoyed it. And uh, you know, Sue just loves to have all the grandkids uh, staying at our house on Christmas Day. It was announced to me that I was going to have all, almost, all, I was going to have all seven of my grandkids that are here locally spend the night with us. And that, that was a wonderful announcement. And, and uh, if you ever had to put a grandchild to bed, that's one thing. Having to put seven to bed at the same time is something else. And that was not a thank you. Merry Christmas to you too, children. Go enjoy yourself. I know how rough it is for you right now. But uh, you know, I just find myself acting sometimes like an old man. I, I complain a lot about the next generation. You're, I mean, older people have found yourself complaining about the, the yeah, it, it's, part, it's part of the sign of growing old. You know, they've done that since the beginning of time. This is nothing new, okay? We have ancient writings of them complaining about the previous next generation coming way back in the days of Greece. Okay, so it's, it's, it's just part of growing old. Sue will catch me sometimes saying, Bob, you're, you're acting your age. 
you're acting your age. And uh, it, it just is. And it's, it's harder. I, I work at it, but it's a challenge to stay relevant, especially in the days of technological advancement. You know, something just takes place. And I mean, I still can't probably give you a, a, a definition of like what TikTok is. I mean, it's just all of a sudden it just appeared, appeared. And I, I first discovered it when COVID started. You know, all of a sudden it was this thing called TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Was, and okay, now what is this? What is this? And, and of course, uh, young people just get it and just run with it. And, and it takes me months to just grasp the concept of it because I'm 66 years of age. That's why. That's why. And uh, so aging is an issue. The second reason was this, is my gift was being pulled on by the larger body of Christ. Uh, we have church plants, uh, not only church plants, but we have church plants that have planted churches. And so I'm, el I'm an elder at churches that have been planted by the churches that we've planted. So it's not just that I'm working with the churches that directly came out of here. I'm also working with some of the churches that have came out of the churches that came out of here. And so that has pulled on, on my time and I play an apostolic role. Now, what that is, you got to understand, these church plants don't call me daily. They don't call me like, Bob, what do you do? They, they want to be like children establishing their own homes. They don't want to talk with their parents all the time. They just want to do their own thing. Okay, but when they do call, it really does require a lot of attention because usually their back's to the wall and there's a situation taking place. This is what it kind of, it is, it is like. We have our global impact workers around the world, and we've been working diligently on actually a, a training manual called The Journey that's going to even, even hone that in more to prepare more people to go internationally. And, uh, and we we're all over the world on that. On top of that, I'm the international director for Ministers Fellowship International, which reaches 14 regions around the world. So I have a lot of international pulls on me. On top of that, I'm, I'm also the vice chairman. Working with Frank DiMazio is a unique thing because you don't hear from Pastor Frank for a couple of weeks. And the next thing I'm doing, I'm watching a great cop show on TV, and all of a sudden my text just pops up. Uh, I'm sending you a letter right now. There's no hello, how are you? It's just, it's time to work. And you just got to be ready to kind of, it's the, he's like he's like St. Jerome. He's in his cave with his skull and a candle and his monk outfit. He's writing material and he wants to process. You got to kind of be right there ready to run with them. And then, of course, Sue and I have a prophetic ministry to the body of Christ that they call upon us to do a lot of presbyteries and prophetic ministry there. And I have on my heart also some seminars to help churches uh, in specific areas that I don't think have been talked about. One is actually how to plant churches. I don't think you need to join a big organization. I think a church of 100 people can plant a church. And, and my heart is to get every church to plant at least a church and uh, become rabbits all over the place. So we can be an elephant, like have nine calves in our lap time, or we could be like rabbits, have like 12 rabbits a month. Okay, we can, kind of, like a rabbit mentality, we can, we can help fan this thing across the body of a Christ, and I'm, I'm really, really concerned about emotional health, and I've just done a seminar on fear, anxiety, and depression that I'm starting to do, and doors are opening up for that to take place. But saying all that, Charlie Sweet gave me a word that if I hung on too long to my role at City Harvest Church, that I would miss what God wants me to do for the rest of my, my life. And I respect Charlie's prophetic ministry, it wasn't that he told me to leave City Harvest Church at all, but he just said I need to be very, very sensitive to the timing of the Lord in, in my life. And we want to make this transition when we're strong as a church because transitions, as you well know, have shakeups. Okay, they have all 
you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I hate to say it in front of Pete, I'm not a Pete man, I, you know, I'm a Bob man, or it wasn't what the church was 10 years ago, and people start making transitions, other people come in and they don't know anything about that, they think it's the, this church is the greatest thing since cracked ice, and they're excited, but transitions have a little bit of, in any situation, have a little bit of rock and roll, so you want to do it when you're strong, not if we're, we're weak, where I'm decreasing and the church gets weak because of that. So why, why Pastor Pete? Why, why, why did Bob come on? I want to rehearse this in your ear, why I chose Pete. And the first reason is that we wanted our transition at City Harvest Church to be a father and son transition. That has always been in my heart. It's never been in my heart to bring some ringer in from the outside, but to raise up a son in this house that I would transfer the vision and the heart of this church to. And... Um, I didn't want to bring an outsider in that really didn't have the heart, the journey, the history, and the values that we have as a church. Pete has served me as a son in the gospel since he was 18 years of age. A lot of you may not know that. My, I first was introduced to Pete, I think he was 15 when I first met Pete. He was somewhere there in his early teens. It was not too long after his father died when he was 10 years of age of cancer. And he was on the rebound on that as a young man. And that's my first introduction to Pete. According to him, his, my fir his first introduction to me was me giving him a lecture on how he needed to read the Bible. Okay, so that's how our relationship started way back in his early adolescent years. So this is someone who has served me as a son, just like Timothy served Paul. Uh, he has... he. Pete is a very, very good leader. And I just want to just brag on Pete for a second here. Pete is an excellent leader. One, he's stronger than a bull, okay? I remember Bill Grable and I, where Bill Grable came in and did a lot of coaching with Team Unity and stuff and did a lot of private coaching with, with Pete. And we used, to have, we, we used to call him a bull. You know, Pete's a bull. He's a strong leader. Now, why is that so important? Because you don't want a point leader that's going to be pushed around all over the place. You want someone strong. Pete is strong. Not only Pete is that, but Pete has great systems that he's put together. He's, a, he's an incredible systems man, and he's got great patience to make his systems work. If it's not working, he knows it will work. If you just give it time, my system will work. I appreciate that about him. I'm not a systems man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a prophetic unction. I got an idea. Let's run north. Let's run northwest. Let's run northeast. Let's just kind of camp here for a while. Why? Because the Spirit's telling me that. Pete's got his system. He's going to work that system. That's who he is, a leader. And he's got great systems he's put together. The other thing about, about Pete, he's going to be a great builder of teams. This is going to be a church that's going to have a lot of teams with a lot of people using their gifts. And he's a common man's man. He wants everybody using their gifts to see this church being built by the people. And that's, that's his great heart. And I'm really excited about being a part of what God's going to do with Pete in that. He loves this church. I'm going to tell you this. I said one time to him at a retreat we had that I felt that he loved City Harvest Church more than I did. He loves this church. He loves the people in this church. He loves this church. He has the heart of this church. This is the only church Pete has known in his adulthood. It's here. This is where he grew to be a man. And this is where he became a man and a family man and a leader and a man in the church. And, and, and this church is in his blood. It's in his bones. It's, it was the right choice. Now, he's different than I am. He has a different management style than I do. He has a different philosophy approach to carrying things out than I do. He has a, he, he's got a different gift set than I do. But he carries the very DNA and the values of this church because this is, this is what he's known his whole life. 
Yes, we knew what he was in gospel outreach when he was a young boy, but really as a man, this is the only church he's known. He has this church in his heart. And he also realizes, and I, and I say this selfishly, he recognizes that I have gifts that complement his gifts. And so I feel very honored and I feel very much a part of the future of this church because of his great honor towards what I have in complimenting him. Now here's the plan. The plan is this. We talked about a father and son transition. That's what we're doing. We want a slow transition in this father passing the baton to his son. We want a slow transition in order for Pastor Peter to be able to establish himself. And there's going to be no surprises of what this transition is going to look like once he's totally got the helm and he's the lead pastor. It, it, nothing will change because you're going to be so used to how things are going to be running because we're doing them now. So to do that, I have to decrease now. And he has to increase. And that's okay. Because it's, it's working out wonderfully, and he's establishing himself as the pastor of this particular church. I had Jan Stahl talk to me a few weeks ago, just saying, you know, I always think i got to talk with Pastor Bob. I, I don't think that way anymore. I, I say, i got to talk with Pastor Pete about this one. Okay, so it's already taking place, and that's what we wanted to have, have happen. Now, in 2022, I will officially uh, lay my hands on Pete, and uh, he will be the the official skipper, guy holding the helm of this church. And uh, he'll be in control of the church and the vision of the church. And I'll be working under him as a part-time pastor. And I was trying to explain to my older sister the other day on our Zoom Christmas you know, call. I said, I'm not really retiring. I'm going like from a full-time job to like three part-time jobs. Okay, that's kind of what, kind of what I'm transitioning into. But I, I tease... I tease Pete that I'll be the best employee that he's ever had. Just, just, you, just try, you just test me. I'll be the best employee you've ever Best attitude, best compliance, best encouragement, best, I'll do everything you tell me to do. I will submit. You're gonna, I'm going to be the best employee you have ever had. I'll be over extension ministries, which is our church planning in the world, over biblical education, school of ministry, and that'll be my pastoral responsibility. And, of course, I'm here for anybody who just wants to process with or, or use me as a soundboard or have Sue and I get involved in your life in some area where you feel like you need someone to walk with you. We're here for you. And uh, yes, I'm going to start traveling a little bit more, but there's a, there's a limit on that. I'm not looking forward to spend the rest of my life in an airport. Uh, I'm looking forward to being out greeting you coming into the parking lot, okay, with my, my orange vest. I've always wanted to wear one of those orange vests with a light, with a flashlight, and, and welcoming you to City Harvest Church. And I, I've always looked forward to that. And so I, I'm looking forward to growing old as a pastor and as a family member of this church, and so is, so is Sue. Let me just, just give you three thoughts about the power of transition. The reason I wanted to lay this out before I give it to Pete is that sometimes there's a mindset in the people that they, that, that they possess. There's, there's kind of a fear of transition, and there's, there's confusion and chaos in transition, and they, there's uncertainty in transition. And sometimes, they, because they don't see what the powerful thing that God can do, they can actually stop the powerful thing that God can do in a transition. I don't want that to take place. You know, they say at Westminster Abbey, I've not, I've not seen it myself, but there's a memorial to John Wesley. And it says this about John Wesley, that God buries his servants, but his purpose moves forward. See, God's building the church. He's building City Harvest Church. He just didn't want to build it for 25 years. He wanted to build it 
past Pete. And whoever Pete transitions this to, until he comes, he wants this vision to stay alive. And so, yes, God buries me, and then God will bury Pete, but the purpose of God will still move forward. His kingdom will still move forward. And, and we don't want to miss the powerful things that he's going to do. So three thoughts here. The first is this, that God brings the church into a new thing in a transition. You know, whenever God wanted to do something new in the Bible, he transitioned leadership. I mean, he starts with the transition of leadership. You have Abraham and his sons. You've got Moses to Joshua. You've got Elijah to Elisha. Now, you can go if you got Saul to David, or you can say you got Samuel to David. Okay, where the leadership of true Israel was transitioned as Saul was kind of this parenthetical leader that really wasn't a man after God's own heart. You, you see transition. You see transition between... Um, uh, Jesus and the Twelve, and you see Paul and Timothy, and Paul and Titus, and Paul and Mark, and you see these transitions. And so God brings, when God transitions leaders, he starts to do a new thing. There's going to be some new things built on the old things that City Harvest Church is going to do that Pete's going to take you into, and I'm going to be able to cheerlead those things as those things take place. The second th thought I want to bring to you, is too, is that when, when, through transitions, God brings the members of the church into a new identity. Now, Pastor Peter, he, he, had, uh, he gave this as a gift to the your, was it your team captains you gave this to, Pete, all, all the team leaders uh, at City Harvest Church. It's a, it's a book by um, a guy named Dale Mass called, And David Perceived He Was King. It's really got a, a simple concept that, that when God's going to do something new with you individually, he's got to bring a realization to you, a new realization of, of, of just you discovering something about yourself for that challenge that you didn't realize about yourself before. It's called you developed a further understanding of your identity. And so he gets that identity going, and then he gives you this new assignment. And I found that to be very true in my life. I remember when I became youth pastor at Bible Temple. I mean, I was asked at a, ski, at a winter retreat, and I was on top of Mount Hood with all these teenagers, and I as a, was like, like one of the helpers, and I I said, my, my word, I'm going to be the youth pastor of this church. There was a realization. I remember when I started this church, I'm going to be a senior pastor. There was a realization. I remember when Dick Iverson asked me to become part of the apostolic leadership team at, at, at MFI. There was a new realization of my gift. And I think it's true for you, and it's true for me, and it's true for the church, that God's going to bring some new realizations of what he wants to do with City Harvest Church and the new things he wants to do that can only take place in a transition. The third thing is this, and that, that is that God releases the apostolic purpose of his church in the earth through transitions. There was a time when a church called Antioch had to release two great leaders in that church, Saul, who became the apostle Paul, and Barnabas. You read about it in Acts 13. They fasted and prayed, and the Holy Spirit said, separate Saul and Barnabas the work I've called them to. Separate them from what? Separate them from what they're doing now to a new work. And so, yes, Sue and I will be an apostolic extension of this church, but it will open the doors for people in this church to actually be a part of that apostolic calling. As nations open up, as opportunities open up, and the church can expand its apostolic ministry. And so I just want to encourage us that God is going to do great things in this transition, and it's going well. And with that, I want to ask Pastor Pete to come up here and share his vision with us. Would you welcome Pastor Pete?
Um, well, you know, it's interesting uh, with what Bob was saying, and I'm going to kind of change a little bit of what I'm going to say um, for, for, for good. But, uh, you know, a lot of times people always want to know, especially on the length, you know, why, why so long? And one of the things, you know, like, man, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want it to go faster? But the thing when things are fast, they're jerky. Um, I don't know if you've ever been on like a, a, well, doesn't matter, but we want it to be smooth, okay? And we want it to be, because it's not just about people. It's not just about Bob and myself, Bob and Sue, Tamar and I. It's about what God's purpose is here at City Harvest. And um, that is the most important thing, is that that moves forward. More than just two people moving forward, it's that God's call on City Harvest. Why did God yeah. call Bob and Sue to plant this church isn't just for Bob and Sue to have a church. He called Bob and Sue to plant this church, to come out of City Bible, move over to this part of Vancouver and plant this church because God had something he wanted to do in this part of Vancouver through not just their leadership, yes, through their leadership, but through who he brought here and who was part of this and what God would do in and through this place. And so therefore, in a transition, it's not just about myself or Bob. It's about you. It's right. about God's vision, even beyond you. It's really about what does God want to do in and through a church family, a church community called City Harvest. And, and, and what, what takes place there. And so it's so much bigger than that. And, um, you know, even when on Bob's first point here, God brings the church to a new thing. One of the, the questions that I get a lot just because of people's history with transitions is, one, you know, are you going to change the name? Okay. The, the second one is, you know, how's your vision going to be different? Um, I, I've thought about these. And my answer is no, I'm not going to change the name. And I wouldn't change the name unless God actually told us, you know, we had to. Why? Because, again, it's not just about me branding something like me going and buying a new car and I want to go from a Chevy to a Ford or I want to go from a Ford to a Toyota. It, it's not about that. It, it's who has God called us to be. And God has called us to be harvesters. That's right. And God has called us in, in what is harvesting? Harvesting, a lot of times we think of the final product of gathering up whatever it was that was planted. But to gather, you first have to till. To gather, you then have to plant. To gather, you have to fertilize. To gather, you have to water. And that is what God has called us to do in our, in our personal lives, with each other, in this community, and to send people to other communities and to send people to the world is to be harvesters. And to really take on the full idea of what does it mean, not just to gather, but to really be people that till, to be people that weed, to be people that plant, to be people that fertilize, to be people that water, and to be harvesters. Wow. In our vision, uh, one of the, the, the first slogans we used to have on our sign was helping people find their destiny in Christ. Man, what an amazing call. We've had people that drove by and saw that and said, you know what, that's what I need. I know I'm called to something more. I want to know, God, what have you called me to? Here in number two, Bob talks about a new identity, and he brought up that book. For Tamar and I, one of the things that we've 
we've talked about is wanting to throw in the word, helping people find their identity and destiny in Christ. Why is that important to me? Because I've seen, as I'm sure you have too, I've seen a lot of people realize what God called them to, the gift that they have, begin to try to walk that out, but they're not healthy. And they actually, even though they are tremendously gifted, they've done a lot of destruction because of the heart that they do it in or the unhealth that they do it in or because they haven't overcome something that wounded them in the past or something like that or there's still a lot of self involved in it. Man, when we get emotionally healthy, what we're really realizing and when we have identity, it's not that I can look in the mirror and say I'm great. It's that I can look and say God has called me to bring him glory. He has gifted me not so I can make a name for myself, but so I can make a name for him. And when I can do that with great joy, I come to a place of health. And then I can truly walk out my destiny without trampling over other people, without trying to take credit for myself, without that. And that's what God has called us to be. Right. And so in those, do, do we see a whole bunch of changes? Not really. Do I believe God wants to do something new? Yeah. But I believe God wants to do something new in each one of us all the time because he wants to continue growing us. Some people have asked, you know, are you going to, is the, is the, you know, the, the, the heart for missions, is that going to change? Or the, the heart for outreach, is that going to change? And I, and I've said, no, it's going to be better. Right. You can say, well, that's arrogant. No. It absolutely is. No, it's not. And this is why it's not arrogant because you can only make it better if you're standing on the shoulders of the ones that went before you. Right. You know, I look at my parenting, and I hope that my wife and I are better parents to our children than our parents were to us. Not because we're better, not because we know more, but because we got to stand upon their shoulders. I look at both of my parents, and I look at the way they were raised, and they raised us better than they were raised. Not because they're better but because they got to stand on the shoulders of their parents. I then look at the way my grandparents were raised my parents. And I can say, man, they were, why would they do that? But then I look at the way that they were raised, and I realize how much more they gave to our parents than was ever given to them. So it's not because one person is actually better. Man, I marvel. Tamar and I talk about it all the time. Who are our kids going to be as parents? Who are our kids going to be as spouses? Who are our kids going to be as people? Using that principle of building on the shoulders of people that have gone before you. And that excites me. Because my hope is that I'm able to lift them up to where they're able to walk out the call of God with less baggage than I had to carry which is less baggage than my parents had to carry, which is less baggage than their parents and setting each other up for success. And so I believe that's exactly what God wants to do in and through City Harvest. And, um, you know, in the, in the transition, uh, I, I will say, and, and this isn't just, you know, we have to give each other the kudos because we're both sitting here and, you know, we made peace earlier this week, wrote each other a card, repented for everything we've ever said negative to each other and decided, okay, you know, we got to get up there and let's, let's fake it until we, you know, make it or whatever that slogan is. No, can there be hard times? There are. Honestly, I'll say this. The hardest times 
are not because we're butting heads in disagreement. It's more because we're actually both, and this is going to sound cheesy and probably not going to believe me, but it's actually more because we're trying to honor one another. That's right. And actually, I've been having a hard time the last couple months. I was telling Bob this this week is emotionally just because I was shocked. I didn't think that this coming year of 21 was going to be the hardest year of the transition. And all of a sudden starting to realize that I think it is. And why is because we're at this place more than any other where he's trying to step us to, to, to create room for me to walk forward. And I'm trying to walk slowly so that he can still lead. And if there's a tension, it's not because we're both still like we're, we're arm wrestling for, you know, who can hold the mic. But it's because um, we just so graciously, you know, dance around <laughs> one another. No, but because we want to honor each other. And so I want you guys to know that that That's truly right. that, is true. um, that that is the, the big thing here. And. Um, I'm not saying anything that I put on my notes. So sorry, Jerry, you didn't even get to click forward on that. Will you go back again? Because Bob just summed it up so well. So I do believe that God wants to do a new thing. But not because any one of us is better than another. But like Bob said, God, you read through the, through the Bible, God's always wanting to do a new thing. Right. And he's always trying to burst something new. The goal is that each one of us realizes who has God called us to be so that we can begin walking out what he's called us to walk out. It's not just for a few people. It's not just for a few rock stars. It's for every single person that says that City Harvest is my home. This is where I've been called and I've been planted here to grow. I've been planted here to, 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 um, to become who God has called me to be. And that through that, as each one of us grows in our own health, in our own understanding of who Jesus Christ is in each one of us, that then together as a family, together as a community, we can be who God has called us to be. We can be agents of peace to our city. We can be, as Bob was even talking about with communion, unifiers, where they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. We don't see that anywhere in the world right now. And it's sad we don't even see that in the majority of churches. You don't see that between churches. Everything is so combative and so competitive. But that's who God has called us to be. And we get there when we realize who he is in us. We lay down our defenses. We lay down our, our opinions. And we realize that we're not building our kingdom. We're building his kingdom. And we want to see that move forward. And so I'm excited. I'm excited for not my role, not even the transition. I'm excited because I believe God is calling City Harvest to continue doing what it's doing and to do it even more. That he would use us to unify the churches in our city. That he would use us to be a launching place, not a place that just, you know, people have asked, you know, do you, do you want to, how many services do you want to get to? Or, you know, there's always these questions. Ultimately, we want to be who God's called us to be. That's right. But honestly, if we continue to grow and send each other out, like we're shooting arrows out, and we continue to do that, it's not about how big we are. It's about how big is God. 
and how can we further his kingdom, further his call? Will you stand with me? Father, we thank you for the honor it is that you've called each one of us to be part of this family. Lord, that you've brought us all from different backgrounds, different histories, different, um, uh, Lord, you've, you've, you've put different personalities on us. But you brought us together because we each play a role. Lord, we are the body of Christ as a family here. But even as a family, we then play a unique role. We have a unique personality in your church that covers the world. Lord, I ask that even as we go into this next year, you would help each one of us become the men and women that you've called us to be. Lord, that we would open up our minds, we would open up our hearts and say, Lord, I'm holding nothing back. I'm not keeping a, a certain closet door shut, but I'm opening up everything and saying, Lord, use me. Lord, change me. God, mold me. God, prune me to become the man and the woman that you've called me to be. And Lord, as each one of us do that, that as a community, as a family, that we would be able to be the local church that you've called us to do and have the impact that you've called us to have. Lord, that we would be harvesters. We would be harvesters of, of the people in our community. We would be harvesters of our city. We'd be harvesters, God, of your kingdom. Not because we just sit back and wait to close the deal. Not because we periodically go out with our basket and begin to see if we can pick any ripe fruit. But because, God, we prophetically get up and we begin to till the rocky ground. Lord, we begin to, to work on the thorns. God, we begin to fertilize the ground. We plant seeds of love. We plant seeds of peace. We, we plant seeds of hope. God, we share who you are. God, that we would build your kingdom. So, Lord, thank you that you've called each one of us so different, so unique, but you've called us to be a family. You've called us to link arms with one another, six feet apart, obviously, but, Lord, to walk with one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to become who you've called us to be. Pray that you continue to give us wisdom, continue to pour your grace upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and coming and um, sharing and singing and lifting your voice up. Hope you uh, have been encouraged. Um, always continue to look on the realm. Uh, look at different people are still posting their devotional thoughts and um, thinking about what has God called you to. What is He? What what is what is He showing you through those devotions? Encouraging one another. If you think of somebody that maybe you haven't seen in a while that hasn't shown up, give them a call. Don't you don't you don't got to text me and say hey. You know, have you seen Janet? Uh, will you text Janet? No, if, if God put Janet on your heart, then you call Janet and you encourage Janet. Because we are the church, and God has called each one of us to support one another, to encourage one another. So have a wonderful week, and uh, see you next Sunday. I'll see you next year. Next year, that's right. <laughs>